Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS number 328358. Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. People need to understand this is not a typical downturn. At a certain point, we will get the spread of the virus under control, and at that time, confidence will return. Now, your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. I'm not going to do anything rash or hastily. I don't do that. But the country wants to get back to work. Broadcasting from the KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 Studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. All righty. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got the uh, goddamn Podesto here, hour one. Hi there. Dan, how are you? Good. Doing good. Just hold up here in Morro Bay, um, as is the new normal. Yeah. I um, I suppose we should mention now uh, that this is a pre-record. We're still not allowed to go into KVC to record or to do the live show, I should say. And so um, we're just doing our best here trying to get these episodes put together where we can and get them out. So far, it's not, uh, I'll take the blame. It's not been great. I think we're at every other week or something right now. I think it's all my fault. It's a lot of work though. You know? Well, yeah, it is. It's hard to, hard to put this together outside of the normal studio atmosphere. Yeah. We're doing our best and we, we feel a responsibility and we feel it's important to convey some of the rapidly changing information to our listeners, make sure they know what's going on. Um, information's key in times like this. We usually have Jim to help us, right? Jim, Jim. For those of you that don't know, I mean, he he does talk every so often on the show, but um, he's the engineer that that does all of the the microphones and the phone calls and the music selection. He basically produces the the whole. Um, the show i mean other than the actual content of the show i guess um and so it's really nice to have him do that <laughs> now that we're unable to have him do that it's a lot more work that that falls on our shoulders but um anyhow that's the reality everything's different right now and so uh, what choice do we have but to just kind of make the most of it and do what we can do that's right um, and the show must go on <laughs> as they say uh, so yeah, Dan, you're, I'm house arrest Catasadero, you're house arrest Morro Bay. Right. And, um, how you doing three, what today's three weeks into the official house arrest. How are you feeling? Is that what it is? I thought this was the fourth week. Oh my goodness. Well, that'd be a great thing. If I lost a week, I thought this was week yeah. three. I think it was announced the evening of the 19th. And, uh, so it was, what four Thursdays ago that we started this thing. So here we are. Yeah. 28 days in and on the 19th was the day that the, uh, the governor of California um, made the official announcement of this, the stay at home directive. So it's been now 28 days since then. It's, um, 
I don't know that it's any easier. We're getting used to it. Um, you know, as we're everyone's seeing, you know, there's still food on the shelves. So, you know, I think people are can relax a little bit on the food situation. Still toilet paper from time to time. Got to it's kind of <laughs> like uh, rolling the dice if you're going to find toilet paper on any given trip to the grocery store. But We've been going to Costco about every two weeks, and we managed to, to score toilet paper on the first trip to Costco. And when I was there um, earlier this week, I saw toilet paper, and... I didn't, we don't need toilet paper today. There was a fair <laughs> amount of it and they weren't even doing the thing where they're divvying it out. I mean, you could still only buy one, but it used to be they crowd you in the front door and forced you to the left and you would, it was like a bread line. You'd first hit the paper towel lady who would give you a paper towel really without asking because they just know that everybody there wants a paper towel and a toilet paper. And so um, it was really weird, right? You just wait in the toilet paper line. But so this time when I went back, there was toilet paper readily available, and uh, I almost bought one, not needing one, um, <laughs> not needing one. And I thought, man, am I going to regret this? And I thought, no, you know what? There's people that keep hoarding toilet paper, and you know it, it does run out. And then there's folks that need some and can't get any. And so I'm just going to have to trust that all of mankind here in Slow County is doing like me and leaving the toilet paper until you need it. Right? That's what you guys are doing, right? I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> I'm I feel like I was the only one. I mean, I don't. The folks who were early on the toilet paper hoarding, they knew a lot about the supply chain for toilet paper. I was just completely unaware, completely in the dark about uh, about how that stuff works. I just assumed, you know, there was a company nearby that made toilet paper, but I guess not. My wife has a friend who was listening to some podcast, okay, like around the fall of last year was listening to a podcast about pandemics and she heeded the advice and she bought a couple months extra worth of toilet paper, face mask, gloves, hand sanitizer, Clorox wipes and, and her family mocked her. And it turned out that when everyone else was running to go try to find something as simple as toilet paper, she was the she was the well prepared one that a few months earlier was being called a prepper nut. So there you go. Amazing. I know. I thought to myself, "Hey, I think I might learn a couple lessons here." Um, and I'm just going to admit this right now. I don't. And Dan, I'm going to ask you for your honesty too. I don't have like an earthquake supply of food and water and all that, you know, that stuff that you're supposed to have, which is reckless, right? Because I'm a, I'm a provider for a family of five. It's absolutely reckless, isn't it? Do you have like a, what are you supposed to have? Two weeks worth of something? I guess I don't, I mean, <laughs> you know, my house, my house is a pretty modest home. It was built in the, in like right around 1970, I believe. We do not have abundant storage in our house. We barely have enough cabinet space for the things we actually need, like, uh, you know, blankets and, and sheets and things like that. We 
we max out our cabinet space with just the essential items, um, we have to be pretty, pretty uh, picky. You know, we don't we don't have things that we don't use in our house because we don't have room to store them. Yeah. So so no, I don't have room for two weeks worth of rations either. Oh, it's uh, I mean, I guess it is what it is. So anyhow, um, I suppose we should talk about some of these things since it's been a couple weeks here since we brought an update. So again, um, today is Thursday. We're pre-recording this. It's Thursday the 16th. Um, so if anything on here feels outdated or we've somehow you know, missed something or other that you guys think is important, we apologize. But, um, again, we can only do what we can do. We're, uh, limited by not being able to get into the studio essentially, which means we're, we're recording this thing in advance. So, um, as we sit here and we, we kind of reflect on the last 28 days of sheltering and, and, you know, that kind of realizing that we're getting, used to it we're realizing what kind of supplies we have access to and that kind of thing as we speak and and the the talk for the last week here um has been about reopening the economy and as we speak the president's on the television talking about the plan for the phased opening of the economy um so maybe we could start there i mean what do you think is it is it even is it too soon to even be talking about reopening the economy at this time when uh, other places around the world that started this pandemic cycle a little earlier than us. You know, I, I think the Wuhan area was uh, under a shelter in place for 76 days. Um, there's others like in Europe um, that are still in a shelter in place um, type of mode right now. Is it too early for the U S to even be thinking about this? You know, I, first of all, I'm going to admit here, I've done, I've been doing a ton of research and a ton of reading and I find, um, I'm fascinated by all things coronavirus and I'm doing my best to read, um, things from every point of view and just try to soak it in just to, and honestly, I, it wasn't my intention to try to sound like some kind of an expert on this today on the show. I'm not. Um, definitely not an expert. I'm just trying for my own sanity. I'm trying to be able to figure out how to reconcile this to be able to answer the question like you just asked. What do what do we expect? When is too soon? And what are we doing? And I'll tell you. Um, here's what I here's what I'm coming up with. What I think is is the reasonable path forward. I think we probably are somewhere around May 1st for partial, um, slow reopening. And I think two things. Number one is you got to remember we're going to be, you know, at the federal level, there's guidance. The governors have the power at the state level. We're going to be subject to what California deems appropriate for our future, um, but I do believe that I, I think somewhere around May 1st, they're going to start, um, so you can already kind of feel like they're making the case, right? There's like a, there's like a PR campaign here for, we got to get the economy open again. It's been long enough. 
Um, when is it safe? And, you know, I think if there was no economic concern whatsoever, the the medical experts, the epidemiologists that really understand this thing, they'd have us just hole up like we are for 18 months until the vaccines were ready. Um, that's not a reality for the global economy um, or any smaller economy that you want to take a look at. It's just not going to work that way. Um, but when you look at the United States, how big we are, um, there's a lot that's unexplained. For example, why is New York? I mean, obviously, New York has a greater density per square mile than California. However, New York has obviously been absolutely bombarded with the virus, the, the deaths and the, the overwhelming of the medical system, all this kind of thing. New York is obviously something's different about this on the east coast than it is here on the west coast and i don't know if it can be explained only by population density but i want to just say i think that the whole approach probably beginning in the month of may is going to be to start to manage the the extreme lockdowns like we're on today, I consider this a pretty extreme version of the lockdown. I think they're going to need to do that as needed in areas where hotspots are coming out. And they're going to have to try to figure out how to cautiously, with social distancing, implementing these new measures that we've all grown accustomed to, you know, spacing us out in the stores, keeping non-essential things um, from being fully back to normal. Like you may not be able to sit in a restaurant um, with somebody's back at your back the way that you did two months ago, but you may be able to be in a restaurant where the staff at the restaurant is wearing uh, gloves and masks and it's every other table or something like that. I just see some variation of that rolling out that's going to get us through the summer here while we get closer to more effective therapies and um, have seen phase one, two, and three of some of these um, uh, vaccination campaigns. So I think that's what they're prepping us for. I think um, they're going to figure out how regionally to start to let some of it back to work and monitor the flare-ups like you would. Um, you know, I was talking to my kids about this this week, is that think about wildfire, okay? That's, a, that's an emergency as well. But if San Francisco was on fire, you wouldn't lock down San Luis Obispo. Um, so you would have to say, okay, well, regionally, we have a different approach here than we do there. Um, and obviously, this is different to some degree. But that's kind of the way that I think, you know, we need to start thinking about this is the regionally in those dense areas and the metropolises that are likely to have lots of issues and, and try to try to let some some version of the economy begin to reemerge soon. Sure. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing that we've seen that the West coast will operate together. It sounds like California, Oregon, and Washington are all going to work together to reopen the Western region, um, on the same schedule. Mm -hmm. And, uh, here I'm catching the headline on TV as, as the president finishes his comments that the, his directive is also for regions to collaborate and work together on reopening. So, you know, there's a there's a large part of the lesser populated middle of the country where they haven't had nearly the case outbreaks or the deaths at all. I think I think it was Wyoming just became the last state in the nation to have a, a death related to coronavirus. So right. they you know, they only have one. 
so there's there's areas like that where they're just not feeling the impact of this nearly as much as um, some of the more populated areas. So I could see that for them, it makes sense to start the reopening process earlier. I personally think the West Coast is probably going to be a little lag, a little behind, maybe mid-May, maybe June 1. Um, we all know now that um, as of yesterday, it's official that the uh, school year has been canceled. The in-class school year, I guess I should say, we're still doing the homeschooling uh, for those of us with grade school kids. Um, but the in-class portion has been canceled. So that would have normally ended early June and that's being canceled. Um, so I, I kind of see the more, uh, I, I see the the reopening kind of coinciding with that that timeline a little more here is, is kind of what I'm thinking. But regardless, I mean, we can get directives from the federal level and the state level that the economy can be reopened at whatever scale. But I guess the next question is, will the people show up, you know, will yeah. do the, do the residents, do the our community members feel comfortable going out and eating at a restaurant, going to a movie theater, even with the stricter um, distancing guidelines in place? Is that something that we would even, you know, what, what level of activity would we see in a reopening? Well, um, and I mean, you got to, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, let me make it more personal to you. Um, you know, one of my favorite places, I love Las Vegas, the food, the shows, the people, the games. I think it's super fun. That to me epitomizes um, where you don't want to be during like, you know, pandemic viral type of thing going on. I mean, think about that. The the density, touching of things, the people, like if you were playing a card game, you got to touch cards constantly or whatever, right? I mean, how long will it be before you feel like you can go sit back into a crowded theater or at a restaurant on the Las Vegas Strip? I mean, that's a good question. Um, a crowded theater, probably it's going to be a while. Now, if, if, restaurants and, and theaters, if they implement some distancing um, practices, then leave, it's going to be sooner. Leave, I, it'll start to be sooner, but even can, then. <laughs> yeah, sell every other row in the movie theater, right? And sure. then leave three seats between, um, you know, people that Two are there parties, together, yeah. right? Right. So, you know, and maybe that's what it's going to take for them. Um, speaking of which, uh, the Tascadero, we have a theater up here called Galaxy. Um, they're doing a thing right now where they give you, um, it's like, imagine if you took two king size pillows and stuffed them into a case, you know, about that volume, they're mm -hmm. giving you a bag of popcorn that size for $25 and with it, a $25 gift card so that you could mm -hmm. come another time. And, um, you know, I've seen lots of people posting on social media that they're taking advantage of that. There's lots of effort to be supporting the local businesses and stuff. But I, I, I look at that and I think, man, I just, for me personally, I don't know if I feel comfortable there, maybe until the vaccine's widespread. Um, you know, if we're able and to everyone, get... Everyone's going to have a different opinion, I, sure. I think. and. What's interesting is I saw the um, there was an interview this week with a, a pretty big restaurant chain. I want to say it was a cheesecake factory or something like that. 
Um, but anyway, this the gentleman was talking about projections even for reopening and the, you know some of these restaurant businesses and i imagine other retail will be similar they're anticipating even with reopening an 80 percent decline in normal traffic sure um that's huge i mean it there's all this money out there through sba um through the paycheck program through disaster relief you know all these attempts to try to um, keep businesses afloat during this hopefully short-lived time. Um, but, you know, if, if it gets them through the time where they're actually not open and then they come back to open and they're only getting 20% of normal traffic, they can't last in that. I mean, restaurants don't make a ton of money to begin with. Right. Um, not to mention, I mean, retailers in general, margins are fairly thin. There's all the staffing, there's the expensive leases on the main drags of towns. Um, it's expensive to operate that kind of business and without normal traffic, it'll be hard to sustain. Yep. Hey Dan, I want to do a, a commercial break here real quick. Let's pop this in. Um, and when we get back, you know, you mentioned retail sales. There's other things about that. There's a few economic things that I think we should talk about too. So let's do a quick commercial break here. Um, and then we'll come back and continue discussion. So hang on just a minute, everybody. We're going to do a break and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. The mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending will be back in just a few minutes. It's time to make a change. Get lean and efficient in time for summer with Kennedy Club Fitness and AM Sun Solar. Schedule your free consultation with AM Sun Solar and you could win a one-year membership to Kennedy Club Fitness. That's right. Get entered to win a one-year membership with Kennedy Club Fitness when you schedule your free solar consultation with AM Sun Solar today. AM Sun Solar is your local solar company providing exceptional service since 2001. Call us at 805-772-6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. 358. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low and mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number Number 328-358. In the heart of wine country, in Templeton, home to one of the top school districts, you can own a brand new, beautiful home, not a condo, a home, built by the best, starting for less than $500,000. Introducing Vineyard Creek from Coastal Community Builders, who've been shaping our community for 30 years. Right now, Vineyard Creek, just off Las Tablas Road in Templeton, has plenty of homes to choose from. But with prices starting below $500,000, homes are selling fast. Visit CoastalCommunityBuilders.com today. 
In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley & Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust, Blakesley & Blakesley. For the service you deserve and the advice you trust, come to Blakesley & Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles, member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. 358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast at centralcoastlending.com. Now, back to the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. All right, welcome back. Dan, you're still there? Still here. Got to get you. You just sit there quietly through the whole break on the phone. Um, <laughs> so, anyhow. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about the economy and um, trying to figure out what's next and, uh, you know, what's what's different, what's to come. Um, retail sales numbers came out this week pretty terrible um looking at some of the worst numbers what i see it was the the worst reading of retail sales since 1964 or something yeah it was a it was down 8.7 percent um i'm not sure if that's just the worst month over month reading or total volume but it wasn't good it's probably month over month decline is I, I one of the worst it, on record I, my memory transposed the digits this was the worst output um drop in output since 1946 so yeah. pretty wild i mean and, it, and it's telling there's so much that we can't we can't do and we can't shop and um, can't get out there. And this is a foreshadowing number here for the kind of GDP numbers that we're going to see um, for this second quarter. And, and I'm sure it'll even bleed over a little bit into third quarter. Um, you were talking, Dan, about um, people and and their economy and, and what their, their comfort level is and these kind of things. And it made me think, you know, we're one of the reasons I think they got to figure out how to get us back to work sooner and later, um, unemployment claims for this week came out at an additional 5.2 million people, um, claiming first time unemployment benefits. Um, the expectation was for 5 million people. So it really only barely exceeded the expectation last week was 6.6 million people. So, you see some people that were able to hang on, you know, in week three, but have now shown up in week four. It's granted it's at a slightly less pace, um, but 
they're uh, in total it's now. 20, 22 million people have lost their jobs in four weeks. That's right. And so at the beginning of this, you know, I remember we talked about this on one of the first episodes where coronavirus was becoming relevant. Um we talked that as many as 20 million people may experience unemployment. And um, of course, as is usually the case, um, as time marches on, we get a clearer look at this and sort of lining up expectation with reality. Um, We're not back to work. And so next week, you know, we may have another 5 million people or close to it. So those are some scary numbers. I mean, we're approaching, when you think about 22 million people um, not in the workforce that were five weeks ago. It's uh, an incredible number. But the entire U.S. labor force in February was a little shy of 165 million people. So. Right. The 22 million people that have lost their jobs represents 13.5% of the workforce. Um, we were already at, you know, about a 3.5% unemployment rate. So, you know, with with this last four weeks of unemployment, we're probably north of 15% unemployment right now with still a few more painful weeks to go, if not a little longer. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking here about reopening the economy and, We've now got, we're going to have about one fifth of our population out of work. So they're not likely to be out there spending a bunch of money um, and participate in this reopening. Then we have the folks who might still be employed and still have discretionary income, but just for health reasons, don't necessarily feel comfortable getting out there and, and participating. So that's, that's what's scary for business, the business community still. And it'll be interesting to see how, um, government is involved in, in helping with this recovery because you know they will be. Um, but yeah, this this 8.7% decline in retail sales, it's not surprising. The Beige Book also um, was released this week and there were some comments in there regionally about how, you know, just that three or four weeks ago, uh, sales just fell off a cliff. It just, it came to a screeching halt. Um, some of the big headlines within this retail sales um, number here is that auto dealers saw a 27% decline in sales. Gas stations saw a 17% decline in sales. Obviously, people aren't driving around as much. Um, even with these nice low gas prices, people aren't taking advantage because they're not going anywhere. Um, so when you exclude those two big items, retail sales were down 3.1%. Um, so not quite as as crushing, but still ugly. Um, sales at clothing stores were down 50%. Sales at restaurants were down 26%. Um, sales at department stores down 20%. We're seeing a lot of our retailers, um, you know, try to get creative, trying to do uh, video, uh, you know, try-ons of clothes and, um, you know, just trying to get innovative and do a lot of uh, curbside pickup, a lot of uh, drop off at your door type of delivery services, a lot of ways to try to still engage you yet keep uh, keep the distance. Um, some of the couple of the shining stars within retail sales, obviously, were grocery stores. 
it, it looks like the decline in restaurant sales was uh, made up for in the increase in grocery store sales. They saw a 27% increase in receipts. I saw some funny numbers here that I, I clipped and wanted to share with you guys. Um, Kraft Foods, who's... Um, Oh, their flagship product is the old uh, mac and cheese. Sure. Um, their product uh, grew 1.6% in 2019. And in the first 13 weeks here of uh, 2020, their product grew 27%. Um, so they're, they're experiencing a little bit high over, higher sales over last year. Um, sales of rice, beans, and pasta tripled compared to the same period last year. Fresh meat sales doubled. Um, the uh, oranges, your vitamin C-rich oranges, grew 57% year over year. Packaged soup sales um, leading the way here in, in uh, increased volume of sales. Packaged soup sales shot up 237 um, percent and actually i misspoke that's our runner-up is packaged soup sales um i won't even let you guess um the number one product with increased sales is canned meat which is up 282%. I thought about that. Can spam, be. baby. It's spam. Spam is <laughs> alive and well. Um, what else falls under there? You know, there's the, you know, sardines, of course, tuna. Sure. Um, oh, you've got Vienna sausages. Right. You've got, uh, there's, there's, there's quite a bit. Yeah. I remember it well from my childhood and my, you, you talked earlier about the, the bunker of, of food. My, my grandparents were a product of the great depression and their garage was always stocked with a plethora of canned food of non-perishables. So, so bring me back to my childhood. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wonder in terms of, you know, dollar volume, it's more expensive to eat out, obviously. So these increase in grocery sales are probably not dollar for dollar of what's missing between food and alcohol sales in the, um, the prepared market. But, um, yeah, last week, let me see if I, I clipped my notes last week and then we didn't end up having time for the show. Um, but it was one of the things that I thought was pretty hilarious, um, yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> U.S. sales of alcohol are up 55% um, this week compared to the week of last, same week of last year. Um, spirits are up 75%. Wine sales up 66%. And beer sales up 42%. Online sales have absolutely exploded. Um, and it seems like, uh, more and more people are choosing to self-medicate with, uh, booze during the, <laughs> the quarantine, um, which I suppose if you've got nothing better to do is a, a fine way to, to pass the time. Um, 
the trouble is, you know, I mean, we've been joking where you got to switch from your daytime PJs to your evening PJs. So you really do need to set like a happy hour for yourself that that maybe it just shouldn't begin until, oh, at least afternoon or something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of wild. So one of the things that I'm noticing, obviously, you're talking about the online sales. Amazon is... Um, they're set to hire tens of thousands of people because business is booming for them. Uh, their stock is at an all-time high. Um, obviously, you know they've got the system in place to deliver to your door, which is what people want right now. And it's good and bad. Obviously, we all love the convenience of Amazon, but it's only going to uh, reinforce that that shoppers muscle memory in, in all of us. And when economic conditions and, and, you know, our economy around us does return to normal, um, will that in itself take away from the rebound and the, and the, the reopening impact of, of our local businesses? Are people just going to have gotten used to more so than ever before, buying things online well the few things that i have had to buy online specifically on amazon i mean i'll tell you this dan i i I'm, we buy things on amazon i think everybody does and i don't know why i feel a little bit shameful saying that but i do that that ability for them to give you something in two days that's obscure and, and maybe even unavailable locally is pretty impressive to me. Um, but I'll say this, the things that I've bought from Amazon lately have been taking more than seven days to arrive, which, Absolutely. which yeah. to me is like, oh my gosh, Amazon's slipping. Um, and I'll tell you some of the things that we've needed more urgently than that. Um, we've ordered from Walmart. I never, before this lockdown, I never ordered something from Walmart in my life. And I got to imagine that once this is over, I probably won't. Um, but, um, yeah, the volume of online sales is is pretty impressive. And, yeah, I was reading they're, they're looking to hire record amounts to try to, um, you know, bring bring people in to meet these surplus orders. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. So as we kind of move along in the um, in the economic numbers here, I, I mentioned the Beige Book earlier. They described the social distancing mandate as leading to a sharp and abrupt contraction in economic activity across all regions of the country. Um, man, that's a that's a scary statement, but it it describes what we're all experiencing. Everybody just has hunkered down here and. You know, it's, within this report, they're talking about how employers hope to bring back a number of the workers that they've cut once activity resumes. But in the short term here, the outlook was for additional job cuts. You know, they're right now cutting just the obvious staff and hanging on to those that they can. But there's still likely to be more cuts going forward until we do see a full scale reopen of the economy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um it's hard. These are hard times. That's for sure. There's so many people. And, and, you know, and I think, Dan, this is one of the reasons why the government is trying to instill a little bit of hope in us. At least they're letting us know that reopening the economy um, as soon as possible, but more importantly, as safe as possible is number one priority, right? I mean, yeah. and imagine if you're in that situation where, you know, you might 
you might be down to, I got one week left in me, you know, that my savings might get me to this next week, or I can put groceries on my credit card one more time here before that last credit card's maxed out. And just not knowing how far down the road we have to plan for uh, makes it really difficult. And so um, I think it'll be really telling. I think in the next 10 days, we're going to have a, a clearer understanding. I mean, I saw other parts of the country were having more or less protests this week as um, people are uh, upset and wanting their voice to be heard that they want to be back to work. Um, Sure. So, you know, people are growing restless. Some of the, I read an interesting article yesterday that was saying how people are starting to distance less and take this less seriously the more it weighs on. It was like you had a lot of fight in you for the first 14 days. You know, you were skipping the store and, um, you know, okay with laying low, but the longer this wears on, the more people are starting to say, you know what, I'm going to run to the store for the mayonnaise, you know, as it probably, no, it's not essential, but I just need out of this house and I need mayonnaise or whatever that item is that they're running out for. And so, you know, I just want to remind everybody, do your best, stay patient, you know, remember truly what is essential um you know help help do your part and you know i think it's interesting here in slow county i've been tracking these numbers you know i imagine most of you are we only have three or four new cases a day um and the rate of those cases isn't really growing um you know it's also not really going down like i said it's almost consistently four cases a day um so it's hard it's sort of hard to remember that the reason that that's not hundreds a day is because we're um, social distancing and because we're not, you know, exposing ourselves and getting ourselves into those situations um, so frequently. But um, yeah. we're we're probably somewhere um, around halftime, if not beginning the the mm-hmm. second half. And uh, we seem to remember to to keep the game strong. We need to do yeah. another commercial break here. Um, but after the break, I wanted to talk a little bit about loan products and, um, we're going to spend the whole second hour of the show talking about what we do know about the forbearance programs and those kind of things. I know there are people that are wanting to hear that conversation. We're going to, I'm going to have Mike points on, we're going to have that discussion. Um, but coming back from the break, I want to talk about real estate. It's changed a little bit recently. I got some numbers about how many houses in San Luis are still, um, transacting right now, which is interesting in this time. Um, and then also we can talk about loans, products and process and how things are a little bit different right now too. So going to go ahead and, and do, um, the next commercial break, and then we'll be back here in just a minute. S- stick with us. It's time to pay some bills. Mortgage Matters will be back in just a few seconds. Join in on the conversation at 805-543-8830 or 1-800-549-5832. It's time to make a change. Get lean and efficient in time for summer with Kennedy Club Fitness and AM Sun Solar. Schedule your free consultation with AM Sun Solar and you could win a one-year membership to Kennedy Club Fitness. That's right. Get entered to win a one-year membership with Kennedy Club Fitness when you schedule your free solar consultation with AM Sun Solar today. AM Sun Solar is your local solar company providing exceptional service since 2001. Call us at 805-772-6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. 
Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. 358. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low with the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number Number 328358. In the heart of wine country, in Templeton, home to one of the top school districts, you can own a brand new, beautiful home, not a condo, a home built by the best, starting for less than $500,000. Introducing Vineyard Creek from Coastal Community Builders, who've been shaping our community for 30 years. Right now, Vineyard Creek, just off Las Tablas Road in Templeton, has plenty of homes to choose from. But with prices starting below $500,000, homes are selling fast. Visit CoastalCommunityBuilders.com today. In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley & Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust. Blakesley & Blakesley. For the service you deserve and the advice you trust, come to Blakesley & Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low with the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. 358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 with your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. Join in on the conversation at 805-543-8830 or 1-800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Um, We have, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so left here in the segment. And um, I want to just catch up on on lending and real estate. Um, So, uh, yeah, Dan, you know as well as anybody what's going on with our company. Um, What would you say the state of lending is like? Oh my gosh, it's uh, it's chaotic, is what it is. It's um, it's very challenging right now in this environment. Very, very much like two thousand seven eight um, loan programs have uh, been suspended 
overnight by banks all across the country without warning, without exception. It feels like um, they're bracing themselves for like significant drop in values or something, right? I mean, that's I mean that's what it was in obviously in 2007 and 8 was more about home values and that the value of the underlying collateral to all the loans um that was the concern then I don't think that's so much the concern this time as it is about payment um ability when you have like we were talking about earlier when 20% of Americans are going to end up being unemployed uh, plus or minus um that's a lot of people who will not be able to make rent payments or not be able to make mortgage payments. And um, that's going to affect repayment on mortgages, whether it's, you know, rent by way of, of a landlord or whether it's, you know, your primary residence mortgage. Um, that's Dan, there were some numbers about that today that I saw um, was kind of interesting here. They said the number of homeowners who asked lender for more time to pay their mortgages increased to record levels in March. Um, the greatest increase in forbearance requests was in loans backed by um, Ginny May. So that's going to be your government loans like FHA, um, USDA, those kind of loans. Um, during the same period last year, 0.19% of the total portfolio would ask for help. And during this virus, so same time as 0.19% last year, this year we're at 4.25%. So you're talking a substantial increase. And I'm comforted to know that it's still less than 5% of the total volume, especially when we describe things that maybe as many as one in five people might be unemployed. You know, then you might expect that one in five people would ask for a forbearance on their mortgage, right? Which would mean that you'd have a 20% mark instead of this four and a quarter. Um, but we're, but we're seeing that. I mean, we're seeing more people come forward looking for help. And so, yeah, that, that has the banks running scared, doesn't it? We don't know how long and how deep this is going to be. Exactly. That's, there's that, there's the issue of, uncertainty related to who's going to make up the payments because at the end of the day the the investor the bank who owns the mortgage or you know whoever is depending on that stream of income they're guaranteed that stream of income i should right. say so if the payment's not being made by the homeowner um then who's going to make up that stream of income is it supposed to be the bank is it supposed to be the the treasury the fed i mean who's who's going to be making up for that loss of of revenue we and that's taxpayer. where the confusion is yeah so that's where we're seeing confusion and that's leading to uh mortgage pricing being very conservative it's also leading to tight credit guidelines again so in government lending where you would typically have no minimum credit score um that we're now seeing i would say across the board in general it's now the credit standards been risen been uh, raised to about a 640 minimum credit score. Yeah. Each bank it varies a little bit from there, but 640 seems to be the the norm right now. Dan, while um, while we're sitting here, I'm you know I'm, I I keep my notes for the show in my email, and so I got this email just popped up from one of the banks we work with, and it is um, it is subject temporary suspension of products. 
and there's a it's a one pager here um for non-agency products so in other words the non-fannie mae non-freddie mac loans they're discontinuing any new applications on jumbo loans second mortgages and then they threw in here the doctor loan which is one of the specific programs that gives a little bit of uh, assistance to medical professionals the next category is construction and renovation products they got rid of the one-time closed construction loan, no more jumbo, one-time closed, got rid of Fannie Mae renovation, Fannie Mae home style, the FHA 203K rehab mortgage, the limited 203K repair mortgage, and then they dropped the FHA HUD repo program as well as the 203H disaster victims mortgage. Um, yeah. Just slashing products. Now, again, the subject of this mortgage just says, or this email just says temporary. Um, So in other words, they want us to know that these aren't permanent removal of these products, but um, those outliers, the the fringy stuff, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the construction lending is, is closed up right now. Jumbo lending more or less is closed up. I do believe we still have one bank offering jumbo mortgages, but for the most part, they've most banks have discontinued their jumbo lending. Um, but like I said, the credit standards for uh, government loans has has increased dramatically up to a 640 minimum credit score. In addition, we're seeing that self-employed borrowers now they want to see that those folks have 12 months cash reserves in order to count their full income. Otherwise, they'll they'll just slash their qualifying income by 25%. That seems to be a universal guideline right now. Um, anyone doing low down payment um, is... It, that That's still allowed in the agency world right now. Um, but I am seeing some overlays where they want to see reserves. Um, so we're seeing it across the board. It's It's um been ongoing uh even up through this week we've seen programs contract uh, very much the same way that we saw it in 2007 and 8 in fact i would say the pace of the contraction is faster and um i i remember them giving us a little more uh runway if you will to close up a loan in a right. in a you know, in a particular program that was going away. Seems as as though they learned some lessons from being a little too lenient on the close down before, because today they'll let you know that, hey, and as of an hour ago, that part's done. So hopefully you know how to uh, navigate that and whatever that means to you. Um, Hey, we're running, we're running out of time here. Um, on this first segment, we got a whole nother hour where, um, like I said, I'm going to have mic points and we're going to talk about the current state of, of lending. And, um, you know, now that we just sort of said, Hey, there's a wet blanket on a lot of lending right now. I do want to let you guys know what is still happening. And then also we're going to spend some time talking about the forbearance agreements and what that looks like. So, um, we do need to get out of here for the top of the hour break. Dan, thanks for your help on this first hour. Um, sure thing. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. All right, everybody, we're going to do this break and then we'll be back for another hour of Mortgage Matters. Stick around.